today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The CDC V-Safe data, which was uh, 10 million people in America that were the first people to get the shots, they had 4 million people report that they couldn't, they couldn't perform their daily functions the next day after getting an injection. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and I am thrilled to be with you. It is Thursday and uh, we are live from basically Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, I'm just so, well, I know it's not like exactly Vancouver, but nobody knows Chilliwack. Oh, okay. Oh, you were, you were making hand gestures about something else? Okay. Sometimes JT's all in the background. He's like, you know, making head movements. And I'm, I'm, you know, very sensitive to all of that. So it had nothing to do with me. So we're good. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Sit down. Um, do you still remember that, that clip that Tucker Carlson was in the plane crash? And <laughs> do you guys remember when we played that? Tucker Carlson was actually in a plane crash. So he, he described many, many years ago, like it was a, a miracle that they survived. And uh, so they, they land, they bump on the sand and the plane comes to a halt. They all thought they were going to die, right? And uh, Tucker Carlson, they're at a stop. He looks out, the, the wing is on fire right? He takes his seat belt off and he gets up. He's at the front seat and he's going to race towards the, the door to open it all up. You know, first thing that happens is the authority, the, um, the sky, the, the sky police manager, you know, the flight attendant says to him, sit down, sit down. It was in the Middle East or somewhere like that. He says, sit down, sit down. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Sit down. And, you know, Tucker say nothing was fine. Like, <laughs> we got to get out of here faster than stink. And you got the authority figure in the plane telling everyone to sit down. Everything is fine. Kind of feels like the ride we've been on. You know, the last three years, uh, the, the ride that, you know, uh, everything is fine. Do as we say, safe and effective, you know, and uh, nothing's fine. Nothing is fine. And you can't listen to these people. So what do you do? You have to listen to the right people. And what a guest we have on today. I'm so excited. You all know her. I, I said yesterday we have Karen Kingston coming on and, uh, you know, folks wrote me, I love her. I'm so excited. So yes, she's indeed here. And you know that I love to start the show by reading from my wonderful dad's Bible. He's been gone about two years now, miss him every day. But when I look um, into the, the Bible that he loved so much, it just brings me such strength. So I was talking to Karen before the show, you know, she's just in the green room uh, waiting to come on. And, and she was uh, saying how much Joshua has meant to her, the book of Joshua, um, be strong and courageous. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to see if my dad thought, you know, anything about that passage. So I go to Joshua 1. All right. I, I hope you can see this. I, you know, I don't know if the lights kind of take everything out. Let's see if we can. It is all marked up. It is glorious. And so at the, at the, the top of the page, it says, my dad has written in his own messy handwriting, how to be strong. Wow, how to be strong. And these are the scriptures that meant so much to Karen in all that she's been through. Um, so in Joshua 7, my dad is underlined, only be thou strong 
and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And then in verse 9, have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage. My dad's old English Bible states, absolutely wonderful. And you know, the book of the law, the, the Old Testament, that came and had a season, but it was set aside when God came, when Jesus came and literally became the ultimate sacrifice. And now we live in freedom from the law. We just get to, to live. Now, we follow God's precepts. We follow his commandments. We follow his word. And the way that the Lord wants us to live is righteously before him, putting away all those sins that easily beset us. And one thing that this said that is true today is that when you follow, if you follow the right way, if you walk in obedience to God, he will take care of the rest. He will make your way prosperous and he will guide you even if storms show up. And those storms do inevitably come. We're going to talk to you later at the conclusion uh, of today's show about some of the things going on. I, in particular, really want to let you know that I hope that our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is really going to continue to face the fire over the allegations of the mismanagement of the funds um, that is going on over this, um, what was it called, the app, the JT, the app to get in the country? Yeah, Arrive Can. I mean, we all hated it. Even mainstream media hated it. And they spent billions of our tax dollars. You know, while people are, uh, veterans can't get a leg uh, from our government, while people are sleeping on the streets, we have a big homeless problem. And Justin Trudeau felt that he needed to spend many, many billions of dollars only to find out that it seems to be two dudes uh, in their basement or whatever you know, that put this together. So there's a huge scandal brewing. People are upset. And then it, it appears that, you know, there's a gag order on what to talk about. Anyways, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit and also talk about uh, Christia Freeland a little bit later, Tom Renz. Um, and I, I wonder if we could actually, because I know that uh, Karen um, is aware of the work of Tom Renz, but... Um, I wonder if we should just air that, that clip just before we bring Karen on, JT. Uh, we're, what, what shows, what platforms we're on? We're not on anything. Yeah, do you think it's fine on Facebook? Oh, sorry, we have to talk about this, but yeah, okay. Great, let's, um, let's just have a look at Tom Renz testifying before injuries caused by COVID-19 vaccines here and take a look. Because I wanna bring something up that, that hasn't been touched on here. So we have the case in New York, I developed the case, it's against Eco Health Alliance for the creation of SARS-CoV-2 in the Wuhan lab. That case alleges that Eco Health Alliance uh, worked with the CCP in the Wuhan lab and uh, created, well, this, this nightmare that we've had. Let me ask you something. Does anybody in this room believe that we could transfer the technology necessary to do that sort of genetic engineering that sort of bioweapon development, and I say bioweapon because remember, dual use research under the law, bioweapon, gain of function, two sides of the same coin. Does anybody believe that we transferred that sort of technology to a CCP lab without an okay from the DOD or CIA? I got news for you. 
They knew exactly what was going on. We have a ton of evidence on this. Fascinating. And you know, uh, all, all of this, uh, all of this continues as more and more information is coming out. And we do pray that, uh, that everyone gets to the bottom of what really happened to us and what the truth is. And one of those incredible people is my good friend, Karen Kingston. And she's one of the most brilliant minds on the planet, truly. So very, very gifted in discerning and in investigation, in getting down and digging down to the truth in a matter. And so uh, we welcome Karen Kingston. Let me just give you a little bit of her bio. She's a uh, medical legal advisor and a biotech analyst with 25 years experience. She's internationally recognized as an expert on the harmful biological effects caused by the mRNA gene editing technologies. She has information today. I mean, do all of us wonder if we are able to sue Pfizer? We know, we know people that are now injured. And uh, so Karen, first of all, we just welcome you to the show and I hope that you're doing well. You look absolutely fantastic. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Hi everybody. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> they do love and, you. I, they love you. Well, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be alive. As you said, the book of Joshua carried me through some rough times. Uh, um, and I, I, I constantly was praying out to God uh, in the name of Jesus and he did not forsake me. So praise God, I'm here to Amen. be able to you and your your viewers so thank you Amen. we're um, thrilled about that and you know yeah. um karen what all of us go through in dealing with this uh nightmare that became our reality in the whole the the pandemic so-called um the the coming to understand that evil forces have been at work to literally destroy mankind and to depopulate, to hurt us deliberately. And you've explained very well on the shows that we've had you on before that uh, this seems very calculated. And to have to live in that trauma, I have found myself personally traumatized by this amount of information and the truth coming out about what we've had to face. Yeah, you bring up a, a great point. And I want people to think about that and pray about what you just said, that there is evil in this world that's beyond our comprehension. Um, and whether it's um, the Apostle Paul, you know, who, who talks about evil in the world, and, and we all have to admit that there is some, some evil in us, we need to face it. You know, he says, why do I do what I do not want to do? Um, and Carl Jung had said that if we don't recognize that there's evil in the world, um, and that we're also capable of participating in evil, um, then we'll be annihilated to the exact level of our naivete. So I think it's very important to recognize that there's evil and to um, ask for forgiveness for your own sins and ask for the discernment from God to be able to see evil, right? We, we all participated in it. I mean, what's crazy, Laura, is in 2020, March 2020, why did the United States submit to going on house arrest you know wearing putting masks on our children um destroying our economy you know it, it it's really mind-boggling when you think why would why did americans go along with that yeah. so we really have been before the devil can destroy he must deceive so we were all deceived so i think um it's it's worth time in in prayer and forgiveness to to bring that before god um, ask for discernment, ask for forgiveness that for whatever our participation was 
in what we're calling this COVID-19 nightmare. And again, um, you know, his burden is easy. His yoke is light. So you'll, you'll, it's actually, a, it's freeing. They lift the weight from you and uh, God will lift the weight from you and Jesus. And, you know, as I said, when I first came forward and I first discovered these materials, I mourned for 72 hours uh, mm -hmm. before I, I reached out because I had an idea of the amount of evil I was up against. So I had to wow. mourn. Um, I mourned for God's children, you know, and but I also mourned for everything that I was afraid to lose and my worst nightmares. And I just I had to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I went through a similar process um, this past summer when I had to flee the country. I went through a very deep mourning process again. Um, but it brought, it brought me closer to God. So again, I think that's an important thing to do to acknowledge the evil, but then also understand that the evil was, it, it's being done in darkness and, and, you know, God's laws and the, and the laws of nature is uh, darkness must flee in the light. So as we courageously, you know, discover what was done, speak the truth and confidence and compassion, the law is it must flee. So, so that's, you know, um, that that's what I've been been focusing on is bringing you know, when forward I, those. When I think of your life, so so um, you know, not many of us are uh, have the um, expertise or uh, the the education to to have the knowledge that was brought to you be right in front of us. Not many of us have that ability to just dig deep into the facts that that. Evil people perpetrated a disaster yeah. on humanity. Um, and when I think that you had to bear that, I understand why you cried for 72 hours because we've all had our share of crying as we go, oh my gosh, it's true. Like we listen to people like Dennis Meadows from the Club of Rome talking about depopulating the world quite casually. Well, we're at 7 billion and now we, we, we need to bring it down to 1 billion. And um, yeah, so that's what needs to happen. And you're like, what, what did you just say so casually? And what, once that begins sinking in, that there, there is uh, pure evil. And when you see, like, for instance, for us in Canada, the continued pushing after everything that we know about these vaccines, after everything, and they're not, you know, we don't like to call them vaccines, but for everyone to understand what I'm talking about, uh, these shots, they push them. And, and call them safe and effective to this day and want our children to still take them, despite all of the truth, despite what Dr. William Mack is in Edmonton, Dr. Byron Bridal has brought forth, despite the, the, the um, you know, the C40 cancerous, uh, you know, SV40 uh, that, that was in it, despite all the information that you have categorically laid out that, that any doctor and trained nurse, physician, lab worker could go, wow, that's compelling and we better halt this. That's not happening. That gives us trauma. We're like, we are not safe in our world. And you, you deal with this on a huge scale. Yeah, I, uh, but I understand my background being uh, trained as a med legal advisor and an analyst and a scientific writer um, that, I can look at data um, and keep it separate from my my emotions. Um, I, I mean, I'm actually able to do that unless I'm looking at the the babies, the children, and I can't even say those words without getting upset because I know it's in the in the data. 
Um, so, you know, there, you know, you kind of get into a mode where you're, you know, when you go through data and analyze it and, and stuff, um, I have to separate my emotions out. Also, you know, coming up in New York City, working in New York City, you know, um, you're, you're constantly being, you know, on Madison Avenue, Madison Avenue, um, you had to earn the right to speak, your, your work was always being criticized. So you really had to take your emotions out of it when it came to um, delivering data and information and messaging. But I am, I was really, you know, I'm pleased to see that Tom, Tom Renz did talk, use the term bioweapon, uh, even when he was talking about the SARS-CoV-2 quote unquote virus, you know, which is an mm -hmm. engineered pathogen. Um, because, you know, um, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, what they created, what we, what we now know causes harm and we call a bioweapon is, is the mRNA, which is SARS-CoV-2 that produces the spike protein and the spike protein is truly the weapon, right? So if you read Pfizer's biological license application, uh, I think it's on page like 24 and I don't have the slide for you. It says that the mRNA in Comirnaty produces the Wuhan-HU1-spike uh, protein, uh, glycoprotein isolate. So it says it produces the bioweapon, you know? Um, so Pfizer and all the data showed that they knew this wasn't going to provide any benefit and it was only going to cause um, harm. So in the United States, you you can't contract to commit a crime uh, with anybody. So that's where I think people need to understand the truth and the facts and the, and the, and the laws and, 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 stay, and stand, stand firm in them. Um, you know, there's no memo, there's no act, there's no law, there's no waiver uh, that any judge in the United States is, to my knowledge, is going to hold up that says, we were given a license to kill from the U.S. government and we did it and we did it intentionally. We knew we had no legal or factual justice and we knew we were going to harm people. Um, that's what the PREP Act says. I, to my knowledge, I don't know any judge that has upheld that. And I, I mean, I think it takes a lot of nerve um, for, for whether it be Pfizer, you know, or a healthcare practitioner to say, look, I knew I was going to kill these people, but I was making money. And I got a memo from HHS saying that that was okay. So that has not happened in the U United States. And we just had a, 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 a of celebratory, miraculous ruling in Scott Shera versus Ascension Health, where his daughter was murdered uh, at Ascension Health Hospital, St. Elizabeth's Hospital, um, by the nurses and healthcare providers. She was given a cocktail of lethal sedatives that caused her heart and lungs to stop. Um, she was learning disabled. They took away, they removed her power of attorney from her side, which was her father and or her mother, uh, and they murdered her. And the judge ruled that Scott could go forward with a jury, not just with negligence, medical malpractice and negligence, um, which falls under malpractice laws in the United States, but with actual battery. So um, it is a, that, that's a, it's a, it's a civil criminal charge. So this is the first time a doctor is gonna be charged with battery and healthcare providers in the United States. Um, yeah, and wow. it was done during COVID-19. Yeah, and the, and, and the judge said his intent matters. You know, so, you know, they were, you know, Grace had a second diagnosis of COVID-19. Uh, they wanted to put her on a ventilator. Her father refused that. 
And, you know, he claims, and I believe him, that she would have been alive an extra 11 days because they would have made an extra $300,000 on the ventilator. Um, but they needed the hospital beds and they basically forced, uh, euthanized her and then collected money and freed up the bed. And the judge said, yeah, that's how I see it as well. Intent matters. This is going to jury trial. So, so I want people to know that, yeah, you can, you can seek justice in the United States, but you have to do it under the correct laws and with the correct claims. And and a lot of people are saying the Brooke Jackson case was dismissed. You know, the motion to dismiss was ruled on because of the PREP Act saying, you know, and that the judge said, well, you can commit fraud under the PREP Act. And that's, that's not what happened. Um, if you go to the next slide, actually, uh, Carlton Wesson, Wesson, I think is his name. He tried to argue with the judge that the judge can't rule on this because of uh, the EUA laws. And um, oh, the, and Mr. Hoffman, which was Wesselton's partner said, is it Mr. Hoffman? Um, well, I can't emphasize your honor that you have to give effect to the word only, meaning, um, meaning that he said that he thinks that the word sh like this, this may, or this, this may fall under EUA laws means that it absolutely will. And the judge said, uh, well, there's a difference between the words, um, gosh, may and shall, my eyes are so shot, may and shall, uh, is there not? And then if you go to the next slide, um, the Pfizer's attorney went on to basically say um, that the um, clinical trial protocol is a document that describes how the study of clinical trial is going to be conducted. And that was not part of the contract. And he said, that's crystal clear, all parties agree. And we talked about that, that the clinical trials are out of scope. And he presumptuously said that the judge agreed with him. And then Judge Cronkow um, responded, if you go to the next slide saying, it was not included in terms of the payment because Pfizer was going to pay for the trials out of their own pocket, the developmental costs. Um, and terms of provided that the FDA granted approval was gonna be based on an FDA approved product. And then Mr. Wessel, that's it, Carlton Wessel said, well, that's nothing, there's nothing in the contract that talks about that, obviously. And he was alluding to the fact um, that Pfizer was going to, um, and the government agreed to commit fraud. And then on the next slide, the judge says it's right there. Uh, it would be inconceivable. So it's not even worth a nanosecond time of my brain to even think about um, that there would be a contract that would say provided the FDA has granted approval based upon fraudulent data. Um, so the judge did not rule this case based on the emergency use authorization and the PREP Act, which is all those things I said, that you intentionally caused harm without factual legal justice. Um, he, he said it, a key Tom or whistleblower law is based on, is for um, Fraud Claims Act under the whistleblower law is the whistleblower is a private citizen who was contracted, who works usually for a pharmaceutical company or uh, manufacturer or, you know, uh, Air Force, military, weapons company, and they're contracted by the United States government. And they come forward on behalf of the government to say the contractor committed fraud against you, right? So Brooke Jackson was filing a lawsuit against Pfizer on behalf of the U.S. government. The U.S. government came in and, and what she had shown essentially was um, she didn't show that fraud had occurred. She said that, you know, the files were unblinded, they weren't following uh, standard protocol, you know, um, she believes that there was a, a certain number, 
less than a handful of people at the Ventavia site that she worked at that were injected and they would have been diagnosed with COVID-19 if they had done the test correctly. So what she was saying is, you know, um, we need to investigate so I can show you that fraud occurred. And the United States government said, you know, we're fine with dismissing this case. We, we don't want to, um, we don't want to get involved. So it's not as nefarious as people think. And then they, they came back with some, you know, and they, they argued uh, in front of Judge Troncal. Uh, they did an excellent jo uh, job, um, Robert Barnes arguing the case saying, look, the contract says the product must be safe and effective. We have more evidence to bring forward. And then Judge Troncal still filed a motion to, still actually ruled to dismiss the case. And he said, basically moving forward at this point is mute um, based on case laws. And the case law that it really falls down to is uh, um, is Pulowski. Is it? Let me see right here. I have it. It's Pulowski versus um, Polanski versus the Executive Health Resources. So this was a doctor, Jesse Parker, in 2012, said he was part of a practice that was committing extravagant Medicaid fraud, CMS, Center for Medicaid Services for Fraud, against the United States. This was in 2012, and he said, you know. Um, the United States government would be interested in this because the the fraud is so outrageous. And a judge, um, you know, kept ruling, saying that um, basically they tried to dismiss it first. And then they said, well, no, we need to do discovery. And then the government came back five years later saying, look, we have to do so much discovery to prove your whistleblower case that we don't want to do it. So. Um, we want this to be dismissed. And Dr. Jesse Parker, which is the um, Polanski versus um, executive healthcare, fought it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And what the Supreme Court ruled was that um, basically the United States government can, um, can dismiss a, a whistleblower lawsuit at any point in the case's life. Uh, especially if the government decides that the burden of proof is going to be on the government to prove that fraud was committed. And what Judge Trancall said was at the uh, at the gates, the United States government said, you know, we wish for the, the, the court to dismiss this case. So he's saying it's mute for me to allow this to go to trial because you're going to go through three, four years of discovery. And at some point, the United States government's going to say, we don't want to do this and just dismiss the case. And that was just ruled upon on June 16th, 2023, by the U.S. Supreme Court, saying the U.S. government can get out of any false claims out whistleblower case anytime in its um, cycle. And it was delivered by Justice Kagan um, and Chief Justice Roberts, Alito, Sotomayor, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Jackson, all joined with the agreement saying that the government can dismiss a whistleblower case at any time. And Justice Thomas was the only dissenting opinion. So people need to understand that the Brooke Jackson case is not a case about um, intention to cause harm. It's not, it's not about um, developing a known toxic agent. It, it's, a, it's a false claims act. And what she's saying is Pfizer committed fraud against the government and the government saying, and, and they're bringing back, they're bringing forward information too from the Argentinian site, you know, where they're saying, look, there was fraud committed there too. And the U.S. government saying um, it would take us years to investigate, you know, these fraudulent claims that you're, you're, you're claiming. 
So even if they do move forward, which they may, at the end of the day, it's likely that the U.S. government's going to dismiss the case. Does that make sense? I know that was long. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aspects. So I have a couple of questions. So, mm -hmm. so um, in light of what we keep learning, though, is does this reflect badly on further cases to bring no. against Pfizer or? No, because people who were injured by the um, mRNA injections, they're not whistleblowers. You, you right. know, none of us were contracted by the U.S. government. Okay, none of our children were, none of our community members were. So, what you, I mean, you, you suffered. Um, uh, you didn't have informed consent, is one thing, which actually is legal under the EUA law. Um, but under the Childhood Protection Vaccine Act, which you may, which lawyers may or may not want to file under, because this is considered a vaccine. There's a section C that says that. Um, you can you can file a claim against the U.S. government for the vaccines if you were not informed of potential harm, if there was another crime involved, and it's pretty easy to demonstrate. So you can charge Pfizer for collaborating with the U.S. government, and you don't have to you don't have to charge the U.S. government. You just show that Pfizer was a collaborator with the U.S. government. Um, to knowingly bring forth a product that was going to cause harm, and they also didn't disclose the ingredients, so like the plasma DNA and the SV40. Yeah. And if you want, we can show your viewers even more. Not only did sure. they not disclose plasma DNA in the shots and these genetic sequences that were going to pr uh, produce very aggressive cancers, they didn't disclose that these were uh, nano devices or medical devices or electromagnetic devices. Nobody was told that. So. They're not vaccines at all. So then you can shatter the whole vaccine um, shield and the EUA shield, you know. Um, and and I would recommend bringing charges against Pfizer outside of the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act um, because they were injected with nanoparticle technology, which is a known bioweapon and classified as such, such a gene editing technology by uh, the U.S. Food and, um, food and drug, um, sorry, by the U.S. military. Uh, and the FDA categorizes these technologies as devices. Um, but the gene editing devices um, are classified as, again, um, as bioweapons by the U.S. military and have been such since at least 2016, when James Clapper said, you know, using these um, these harmful gene editing technologies makes permanent uh, genome changes to a species and that's to the extinction of the species. So James Clapper, who, who served at the National Security Agency under Clinton was saying, these technologies shouldn't even be used on, on animals, you know, never mind humans. So um, can Pfizer be sued for toxic and harmful substances? So um, Steve I want Kirsch. to point everyone to to your amazing Substacks. Uh, you know, sign up for Karen's uh, Substack because she's constantly writing on the latest that is happening, and you're it's one of the best Substacks out there. So, keep going. Okay, yeah. So um, Steve Kirsch on the next slide. So if this is if you wanted to file under lack of informed consent, uh, False Claims Act under the vaccine law and say, but you'd have to then prove that another crime was committed. If you go to the next slide, Steve Kirsch has said um, that, uh, you know, he he um, corresponded and spoke with Professor Byron Bridal and Dr. Robert Malone, 
Um, and they confirmed they can now sue for the mRNA COVID-19 COVID manufacturers um, to for damage because they didn't disclose about the plasma DNA, right? So because they didn't disclose of a toxic um, ingredient, what they're calling a contaminant, um, they can now sue. Now, I want to make it clear, in the United States, it we, we have very loose laws around contaminants. So contaminants and specifically nano technologies and nanoparticle technologies can be used in food and drugs without our without our without our knowledge that's the law in the united states but if the contaminant reaches to reaches a point where it actually causes harm to the consumer uh, resulting in disease disabilities or death then you then the then the responsibility then falls on the manufacturer so not only can they bring lawsuits for the plasma dna but if you go on to the next slide um again pfizer promised this is the dod contract to to create a safe and effective vaccine that would prevent sars-cov-2 virus infection and transmission and go through the standard fda process so they didn't deliver on their promise but if you go on to the next slide too they actually forfeited their immunity under the eua now here they talk about how they do contain lipid nanoparticles that's in the dod contract if you go on to um the next slide the, the lipid nanoparticles then present, uh, produce the biosynthetic um, spike protein in the body. So 501A2B of the Food and Drug uh, Consumer Protection Act says that your biological um, product, so your vaccine, must adhere to good manufacturing practices. So you have to ensure that you are aware of the contents, that they are sterile, and that they're safe for human use, period. And even under EUA, it says they have to adhere to good lab practices, which means even under experimental use, you have to you have to confirm that these are safe for human use. What's interesting is there's also 35A2B. Now that is the good manufacturing uh, laws for medical devices, for the lipid nanoparticle part. Nobody was told they were injected with devices. So the contamination is not just the plasma DNA, but it could also be People were injected with electromagnetic devices, and there's so much evidence on this. You can you can go to the next slide. I mean, Dr. Animal Hachia, if you've seen her work, Dr. David Nixon, um, they're all saying they're all seeing this. Now, what we're being told by um, some some freedom movement ex, um, leaders, experts, and I do believe they believe that this is true, is they're saying, well, no, you can't do anything because Congress passed the Prep Act, and under the Cures Act which was actually passed under Obama, these are the modifications that were made to the PREP Act, and it was passed by Obama in December 2016, which is that it doesn't matter if they're lying to us, causing us harm, you know, even knowingly causing, um, you know, committing battery assault and murder, uh, because under the PREP Act, willful misconduct, which is greater than um, negligence, you know, um, it is that you know what you're doing is wrong. So you have intent to harm. That means like you intend to harm um, or you intend to defraud. You're gonna cause financial or physical harm in some way. It says that you know you have no legal or factual justification and you also know that the uh, harm does outweighs the benefits. So the benefits don't outweigh the risk. Now, to my knowledge, Laura, I have not seen one judge um, uphold this clause in the PREP Act. And people have to understand the United States of America, you know, we've had many acts passed over the years and judges have chosen not to uphold that law, right? So it, it, it's, it, it's gonna be quite um, 
a judge is going to have to have a um, really lack conscience because this is an unconscionable clause. You cannot contract with somebody and say under that contract, let's say I had a company and I say, I hire you, Laura, and I go under my contract, you know, uh, you're a driver. But if you drink and drive and kill somebody, don't worry. I got you covered. You can't go to jail. That's an unconscionable clause. This is an unconscionable law. So for a judge to actually uphold this in court, it truly means that the judge made a ruling without conscience uh, and it would legalize um, aggravated assault, battery and murder in the United States of America. So to my knowledge, this has not been upheld by any judge and it was not upheld in the Brooke Jackson case. Again, the Brooke Jackson case defaulted to case law and whistleblower law. So I do believe that people who were injured by these mRNA injections can move forward with charges um, whether they can do it under the FDNC Act law and the False Claims Act is one thing, or whether they need to operate outside that law because Pfizer was essentially contracted to commit a crime. Um, you know, and there's obvious racketeering too going on where you can see that the NIH, I wrote a substack on this, was being used as a slush fund to pay medical experts at the county level to enforce vaccine mandates on school children you know, as young as preschool or kindergarten, you know, they were trying to do that um, and colleges and then also for county employees. So um, I do think this is going to move forward. If you, I, what's on the next slide? I just I think it's. Um, oh. So if you wanted to talk, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the nanoparticles, because you had on an expert who talked about the um, triple helix DNA found in the vials. It wasn't Kevin McKernan. Do you remember? I think it was someone that was commenting on his work. Um, um, mm -hmm. Anyway, he said that they were trying to dissolve the proteins um, with a standard solvent that they use and they wouldn't dissolve and they couldn't f figure out why. Because they're not biological proteins. Um, they're devices. They're a, new, they're a new biosynthetic pathogen or a biosynthetic mm -hmm. protein that is made of part of inorganic material, which are metals. Um, and that's why the DOD contract classifies them as electromagnetic devices, because they're not biologics, uh, they're, they're biosynthetics. So that's technology that imitates biology um, using genetic codes from biological life forms and incorporating it into tech. So I'll show you exactly how that happened. It's in the Pfizer documents, so. So if you want to keep going, let's keep going. That's good no, stuff. All right. Like, I'm like I'm like the adult scary version of Mr. <laughs> Wizard. I don't know if you guys right. used to watch that. I know, I know. That's what I feel like. Okay, kids, let's go on to the next slide. Um, um, so again, this is three five one a two b. I have a whole Substack on it. You just saw what it was. Um, that those are the. Um, if you go on to the next slide, those are the guidance laws for um, classification um, and good manufacturing practices for devices. Um, and so the way they determine a device versus a drug or biologic, if you go on to the next slide, is that the device needs to act in independent of, um, of being inside the body. So the body doesn't um, activate the catalyst for the device to work. So gold nanoparticles have been used in research and in cancer. And I'm going to show you that the spike proteins um, and the nanoparticles in the injections do contain gold nanoparticles for Pfizer's documents. Um, they can be activated um, by external, it says right there, electromagnetic energy, so EMF fields. 
Um, so typically the gold nanoparticles go, go to a tumor site. These have been used in brain cancer. Gold nanoparticles love to go to the brain. Whether or not they have a biomarker, they go there. And so if an, an external electromagnetic field could activate them, then they kill those cancerous cells and tissue. So they annihilate uh, the tissue surrounding it. So now the electromagnetic fields can also be used to activate programs. Um, and that's something called electrophoresis. And I'm not gonna go into too many details, but this is the FDA's own document saying gold nanoparticles are indeed devices. And again, nobody was told they were in injected with devices. Um, so that's important. Uh, so you can go on to the next slide. Um, this is talking about that triple helix DNA. This is the master worldwide patent that Moderna and the NIH filed. Uh, and in section 0419, it talks about using the, the mRNA, the RNA or modified RNA to induce uh, triple helix formation. So if you go on the next slide, and we know there's no species in any of God's kingdom that have triple helix. Uh, all biological life forms have double helix DNA. Um, and, and the expert that you had on your show had gone out on, on to discuss that as well. So if you go on to the next slide, I just want to show people that this, this is pretty prevalent throughout the patent. Again, talking about using mRNA and the nanoparticles to create triple helix proteins. So Laura, this, this was one of the first things that I read that I not only cried out to God, I began wailing out to God because this is not of God's creation at all. This is something, in my opinion, that was demonically inspired. And in the book of Mark, I think it's chapter 18, they talk about end times, which they said there's going to be great tribulation that, you, that um, the world has not seen since the days of creation when God created life until now, meaning some other entity began creating life. So triple helix DNA is not of God's creation. And the scripture goes on to say that until now, this other entity that's creating life, no life, no flesh, so no biological life forms, no life forms in that God had created and humanity in his, in, in his image um, would have survived if God had not shortened the days for the sake of the elect. So uh, again, people know I'm a Christian but it literally says in the book of Mark, some other entity began creating life. The existence of this triple helix DNA is evidence of a creation of a new life form, period. That's not of God. And, and I believe it's demonically inspired. Uh, and that third helix is actually the inorganic material, whether it's gold or graphene oxide or titanium. So it is, it is, is inserting that third helix so that biological um, genetic material in life forms, that third helix then connects us to the digital realm. You it's have this picture um, in one of your substacks talking about nanotechnology. Um, <clears throat> is, is, this, uh, is this a depiction like, when we talk about this nanotech, so I have seen some videos and some pictures, you know, people putting stuff out there that it seems like um, things are coordinating and they look like a little computer hard drive that's being networked into to someone's body, like little tiny, yeah. it looks like a little computer thing, you know? Um, yeah. Is that the kind of thing that you're, you're talking about? Like, are things able to literally, 
it's hard to imagine, first of all, they're so tiny, but that they're going into our body and they're they potentially forming and and doing stuff in there. Like you're saying, they they can have good yeah. good things like killing cancer or whatever. Yeah. So people are saying like so the nanoparticles or nanotechnology, like, you know, they're saying, well, you know, if they were if these materials were in the vials, we'd see them. No, no, you wouldn't. I mean, it's one one millionth the size of um, a meter. So it's naked to the human eye. Wow. Um, you can't see it. So that's that's why you don't see it. It's not. Um, and Can you see it under a strong microscope? Like this is the only way to see it, or yeah. That's well, even the thing hard. is, well, and, I, and if we go, let's stay here for now. But if we go through this, yeah. um, you, know, you can see them through um, the scanning electron microscopy, cryo electron microscopy. Uh, you you can see the molecules, but the you know the spike proteins are um, basically 100 nanometers or smaller, 160 nanometers or smaller in size. So they're very they're they're small, but then they begin to self assemble. That's what the the uh, patents right. talk about is self assembly. And the lipid nanoparticles, um, as they expand, they have a thing called a dendrimer or dendrimer, however you pronounce it, technology in it, where it absorbs to a human cell. So whether that's a cell that lines your blood vessels, your heart, or your brain, or your brain cells. So that means it attaches to it. And think of it becoming like sticky. And then it's not through phagocytosis. It merges with that cell and creates a new hybrid cell. And then it uses CRISPR-Cas9 technology to read the DNA inside the, the nucleus. Um, and it can then rewrite that DNA to have that cell now become a manufacturer of what they're calling drugs. Well, the drug is a spike protein, which is a biosynthetic pathogen from non-human species, right? We know it has bat DNA in it. We know it has rodent DNA. We know it has snake DNA and parasite DNA. So it's hijacking it. So there's that technology. And then there's this other technology, which is not the mRNA technology in those patents. It seems to be much more closely related to the neural link and neural lace um, technology that's creating its own fiber networks throughout um, the body. And keep in mind, long-term COVID is primarily defined as neurological symptoms. And when Pfizer on their own um, accord and because people were calling in, recorded 5 million serious adverse events across 1.5 million people, over 700,000 of those adverse events out of 1.5 million were neurological um, harmful effects that their mRNA injections caused. So this does attack, attack the nervous system. And that was another thing when I read through the patents that was very clear to me. There was way too much attention focused on crossing the blood-brain barrier and getting into the blood-brain barrier. So that's what these devices do. And um, the reason why they're able to, and be, keep in mind, our brain is very well protected. It is very difficult for uh, any kind of pathogen or bacteria or anything to get into the human brain to cause, cause damage. So these are, uh, because of their electromagnetic charge, um, and their programming and being the gold, nan uh, gold nanoparticles, they are programmed to get into the brain. And even and so was um, COVID-19. So when they aerosolized those spike proteins, people lost their sense of taste and smell. Well, that's your olfactory nerve. That's the nerve that goes straight to the amygdala in the brain. 
Um, so it was attacking, and the amygdala is for fight or flight, you know, and, and can actually turn off your executive function. But the olfactory nerve too was for, for taste and smell. So it was a direct neurological attack. So I, I consider these neural weapons as well. Wow. Um, JT was just uh, wanting me to ask you, and of course, uh, you haven't read this. This is a brand new article today. Uh, key questions and answers about the historical approval of a CRISPR-based medicine. And basically here it's talking about, for the first time, a regulator has cleared a treatment using CRISPR, the gene editing technology for patients. The regulator is the United Kingdom's medicines and healthcare products. And it, it seems to be uh, regarding treatment for sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia, two blood disorders. So I guess what I'm uh, wanting to ask you is, um, it, is it fair to say that, that this new technology can be used in very positive ways, but what we're seeing is that it, it, it's not good in the way that these vaccines have used it. Yeah, so CRISPR-Cas9, um, and, and, and Neuralace Neuralink, we'll get to that in a minute. CRISPR-Cas9 is you know, typically used to treat people who have rare autoimmune diseases, or you would use it for people that have end-stage cancers because it's so high risk. Um, the, the gene editing technology is similar to something called CAR T-cell technology, chimeric anti uh, antigen receptor T-cell technology, which is usually done, which used to be done outside the human body um, where they would take um, the T cells, the white blood cells of, of a human body, and then reprogram it um, to kill cancer or to turn off autoimmune disease and then re-inject it into the human body. Well, now the gene editing is being done inside the cells, inside the animal, and we are the animal. So the gene editing with CRISPR-Cas9, with these mRNA injections, gene editing is being done inside, inside the cells, inside humans, inside innocent adults and children who don't have end-stage diseases. So the risk-benefit ratio is not there. That's why we're seeing this catastrophic onset of, of cancers and neurological disorders and heart, um, you know, heart inflammation and heart attacks and this uh, new um, sudden adult death syndrome. Um, this is all from this technology um, that, you know, there's question whether or not it should be used in anyone, um, but at a maximum should only be used in people who are looking at um, a few a few months left to their lives, not a wow. child that has had a phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, with all of this then, um, because uh, it's it seems so serious, and like you say, um, you look at all of it and you have to wonder what the thinking was behind allowing this, I mean, crossing the blood brain barrier and all of that. Um, so is information like this getting to the right people? How, how is the world still saying one good thing about these vaccines? You know, I, I don't know. So like, you know, um, again, the conversation you and I just had was really for those who are awake, right? Um, probably breaching your relative or neighbor who still is, or wants to go in to get their seventh booster, mm -hmm. talking about these uh, devices is, is not, um, and I, that's, why, that's why I fully support the plasma DNA strategy. Talking about these devices is just too much for them to handle. Again, I was just going into, 
I was I was segueing. But it's so good. It's so good, Karen. Like the way that you explain it, you just if somebody would just like literally everyone just share uh, this information that Karen is putting forward and tell them that we're uh, how much you know and. Um, 40 minutes in or whatever and say, listen, you gotta, you gotta hear this lady talking about what's going on here. And, and it isn't this getting to the highest levels. Like you have been also writing about Fauci actually, uh, yeah. you know, on your sub stacks with, with good reason. I mean, he just has gotten away with everything. It feels like, um, oh, I, so people need to know this. Let me, sorry, let me interrupt. Yeah. Fauci paid himself $53 million. If you scroll down, you'll see it right there. Okay. $53 million to figure out how to use the HIV envelope 120, which is a simian virus, the monkey virus. He figured out how to merge that into these lipid nanoparticle technologies and these chimeric spike proteins so that it would be part of the outer coating of the polyethylene glycol, the pegylated lipid, to give it the Trojan horse mechanism of action so that it would it would go basically in stealth mode so that your white blood cells wouldn't kill it, so that it could get into your body, so that pathogens could get into your body and attack your cells. He paid himself $53 million to patent the HIV envelope. And the HIV envelope is part of the technology in the mRNA injections. So he gets a cut every time one of those shots is being um, deployed. Now, if you go through the substack further, uh, uh, people might not know this, but I was like the OG Karen when they started mandating the shots in San Diego and they tried to set up PCR testing on my son's campus and everything. And there was this medical expert at UC San Diego that was advising the San Diego school district. His name was Dr. Robert Chip Schooley. And if you go through my substack, it, and Chip was saying, San Diego needs to be the precedence for the rest of America. He said, if your child, if it's authorized or approved for your child to get vaccinated, they must get the COVID-19 injection. And if they aren't injected because they're not eligible, then they must get a weekly PCR test. And this went all the way down to five-year-olds in kindergarten. And he said, and he goes, and this is going to be the precedent for America. And there's going to be no exceptions. And you don't get to, you don't get to uh, question uh, government or science or our authority. Well, it turns out CHIP was paid between 2020 and 2023, $4.3 million out of Fauci's NIH slush fund, $6.2 billion slush fund, which is called the Grant Database. Now it went to University of California, San Diego, where he's a professor in the infectious disease. But again, I've worked in the industry for so many years. People know that those grants are very loosely tracked, if at all. And he was right. paying 750. Money's and, going yeah, every which way, who knows, you know, and they're living lavish yeah. lifestyles. Uh, it's all covered in my expense account, you know. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. They, they just so they're just writing off, you know, um, a, you know, their luxurious lifestyle against these NIH grants. So he, you know, Fauci was using, and we know he used the NIH grants to pay off those doctors to um to one say that uh, hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. That was a bogus study that had to be recalled. And then uh, two, to say that the virus was of natural origin. Like there, that was, that was, that evidence was clear. He paid off a group of three doctors to change their opinion as to whether or not the coronavirus was a, of a lab or, or natural origin. And they, you know, 
they did an about face in 72 hours and you go in the grant database and you know they got paid a couple million dollars so it's it's racketeering is what it is right so they're accepting bribes so there's there's so many ways to prosecute those who um harmed us and our children for the love of money um and with absolute disregard that i do believe um based on everything i've analyzed based on all the court filings so far um that you know we we can people can sue pfizer and also potentially press criminal charges against them and i, I don't talk about moderna because I, I don't i don't know their contract as well i don't follow them as much other than when they're when they're actually dragging pfizer into court and trying to sue them um but yeah i think that there's it's definitely viable and i think what what's happening laura is people are waiting for permission um to uphold their rights they're waiting for permission you know um to seek justice when them or their children are harmed you know and and, I, and i'm telling you you don't have to wait for permission when uh some people are going to talk about mass formation psychosis and that you know, um, according to that theory, it's when you've been in, in isolation, traumatic events have happened, and then you focus on um, a singular message or a singular voice, even if it's um, even if that voice isn't telling you the truth, or even if that voice goes against common sense. And to me, I think the left also not the left, the freedom movement has also been a victim of mass formation psychosis in thinking that we need to wait for permission to pursue Pfizer, right? Um, and some of this stuff like, you know, waiting for Congress to say, oh, it was our mistake to pass the PrEP Act. Now you can move forward. That's not how the judicial system works in the United States. Like you can pass laws, but if the judge isn't going to uphold it, that's where that's where the buck hits the road. Or as my son says, I mean, this is terrible divorce. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, dad can make dad can can make a, a you know a rule but then i can just go ask mom right so uh -huh. so congress can make a rule yeah. he used to say that when he was little and it actually was the other way around uh but congress can make a rule but the judge has to uphold it you know so this is definitely worth fi fighting for does that does that make sense what i yes. just went through okay sure. all right yeah it, it absolutely yeah, so, makes sense and what you know what a mess uh, that that we're in and uh, evil seems evil seems like in the Psalms you said that the Psalms was very uh, special and dear to your heart but sometimes what David said is you know why do the evil men prosper like why do they get away with this injustice and you know I pray for the day that it all actually gets so clear that the world knows exactly what happened and Unfortunately, I mean, are we talking 10 to 15 years? The way that the propaganda and the, the lies get hidden, you know, is, is really disconcerting. But I think history is going to show through your work, Karen, uh, through others that are really speaking out that uh, the, the fraud perpetrated is absolutely, you know, um, existential and it'll be shown to be that in time. And evil's not even hiding, you know? I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. In plain thing. sight, right? Um, mm -hmm. In plain sight, BioNTech's partner to Pfizer at the, the JP Morgan conference, which is the big um, pharma device, now biotech conference, in January, 2021, their mission statement was mm -hmm. harnessing the immune system's full potential to fight human disease. 
not the disease of cancer, not the disease, disease of diabetes, not the disease of viruses, but the disease yes. of humans. Yes. So they're, they're in our face. And, and so I think if people want to approach people too, I mean, you, there's that October 20th, 20, 22nd, 2020 meeting where the FDA met with the manufacturers and they list out those two dozen serious adverse events, you know, from, you know, cardiovascular complications, myocarditis, pericarditis, um, a bunch of neurological, neurological complications, including swelling of the brain and spinal cord, um, um, birth outcomes, meaning, you know, mm. miscarriages, spontaneous ab abortions, infertility, it's all listed there. They knew this was going to happen. And then Pfizer has their own internal data. It's in one of my substacks. It's actually, it's this document. The full document is, is over, it's about 400 pages long. And they list out over 5 million serious adverse events that happened to 1.5 million people injected with their shots, you know? And then the wow. CDC vSAFE data, which was uh, 10 million people in America that were the first people to get the shots, they had 4 million people report that they couldn't, they couldn't perform their daily functions the next day after getting an injection. They couldn't go to work, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't, they couldn't be their, the stay-at-home mom, they couldn't take care of their kids. Four million out of 10 million in America, that's unheard of. I mean, the whole point of having a vaccine mandate for uh, employees is so that you don't have people missing work because they're sick. And on average, people miss three days after getting the shot. So none of this is like, there's so much, there's so much irrefutable information out there that if you logically look at it, you would say there was absolutely no reason for these to be, you know, used past the first couple months, you could see they were doing more harm than good. And now, you know, you have to be willfully ignorant or I don't know, demonically possessed, you know, to still believe that there's good in getting these, these injections. Exactly. <clears throat> I agree with everything that you're saying. And I, I, I think I'm just so grateful uh, that you're still saying it, uh, that you're going to continue outing and bringing forth the the truth. I absolutely love your substacks. Just want to remind everyone that, um, you know, follow, um, follow Karen on her substack and get the latest of what's happening. Thank you for outing that. Shocking that Anthony Fauci just continues to benefit, you know, from the fraud. Uh, even the HIV days, like, like it's yeah. so clear. RFK's book, you know, on him. And he just... Where is that book? I know it's right around here somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it's clear now. Judy Mikovich, Dr. Judy Mikovich yeah. just covered this. Too. HIV was also made in a lab, um, but it also didn't cause AIDS, right? Um, the human to human transmission of these synthetic pathogens is um, minimal. You have to get the toxins inside the human body. So it was AZT that killed uh, right. many of those um, young healthy men. The drug, the drug they yeah. used to treat it, that Anthony Fauci was all over, you know? Remdesivir. Yeah. I'll never forget him sitting in President Trump's, uh, you know, they were the office area and they're doing a press conference uh, saying, well, the, the newest best thing that we have is Remdesivir. He had that look in his eyes. You know, just pure evil. Remdesivir has been so deadly harmful. Even a hospital here in British Columbia is not using it anymore. 
Um, yeah, they, they, they say run, death is near with remdesivir, you know, oh, and then the use of the ventilators. Yeah. Right. So, so the thing is these synthetic pathogens, which I think is a, the, probably the, the most um, palatable way to describe them, right? There's, they're, or you can call them a synthetic virus, but it's a, it's not a virus, right? Is when they, they're, COVID-19 was caused by synthetic pathogens. I, I wrote a new substack. So was MERS, the Middle Eastern respiratory virus. So is SARS-CoV-1. Right. And so when they do aerosol attacks or surface transmission, um, bottom line is most people are their their innate immune system is able to wipe it out um, because they don't get enough of that of the of this synthetic pathogen in their body. But what happened in 2020 was the worried well, you know, when people got sick, they went to the hospital and they were automatically diagnosed with COVID, put on the COVID ward, um, like what happened with Grace Shera. She was given a lethal combination of drugs that actually decreased her respiratory function. So they decrease your respiratory function and then your oxygen levels go down and they go, oh, well then you have to be put on a ventilator and the ventilator destroys your, your, your lungs function, ability to function. You, you know, it, never put anyone on a ventilator that has functioning lungs and then they're given remdesivir and they're murdered. So we sat there as a global society watching these COVID-19 death ticker accounts and it truly wasn't a pandemic it was murder in the hospitals and then they rolled out the injections which is then what caused um the blood clotting and the myocarditis and the infertility and the lung failure and the uh, cytokine storms from the you know associated enhanced disease um so the the pandemic the problem was really I don't want to say it was in our heads, it was being, but it was being performed in front of us, you know, through the media and social media and, and through the protocols that the doctors were having. So that was this huge performance and to roll out the injection and that injection actually then caused um, the serious spike in deaths in, in, um, and, and actually became the threat to national security, harming those who are childbearing age and harming our posterity, you know, the future of our country, our children and our children's children. So, um, yeah, so this, wow. this actually wasn't, Confessions of Nanoparticle, I reposted, um, you can go through the substack, but this is great because this was written by um, Steffers and um, she has a blog where it's, it's written from the first person in a, a nanoparticle saying, right. uh, I, I think I it's time that. for me to clean, yeah. Um, it's time I, to speak I, out I, about engineered viruses and, and, and coming from the perspective of this engineered nanoparticle, right? Yeah. Or, so she's like, mm -hmm. I think it's time to come clean. Yeah. Um, and, and she says, you know, I, I am going to, I can elude, um, I'm going to elude, you know, professionals, doctors, scientists, you know, even in the top minds, you know, in science, because unless they look, they, they know to look for an engineered nanoparticle. I'm going to be mistaken as a virus. And even if they use an electron microscope to find me, you know, because I mimic the human biology um, so perfectly, um, It'll be I'll, hard to I'll, yeah, I'll be escaped to, to identify. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Oh, what yeah. a world. Karen, I just thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the incredible work you do. Um, all that you've shared with us. And I hope that we can do this again because uh, every single week you're pumping out several of these and telling the truth and shaming the devil. 
and you're a beautiful person. God has equipped you as an Esther at this hour to bring the truth so that people would be saved. And you're saving lives, and we appreciate that. Uh, we've worked in, in unison with all of you that are telling the truth so that we can get the word out because this is not something that anyone's going to find on mainstream media tonight. Unfortunately and shockingly, this kind of I stuff know. should be really being investigated and pumped out, but oh no, you know, it's just uh, a big cover up. Yeah, I, I mean, just just the, the raw numbers without even going into the science again, four million yeah. Americans couldn't go to work or or housewives couldn't take care of their children, you know, I mean, after the shot, I mean, these things are just, they're atrocities, they're catastrophes. Yeah. And, and um, they're laid out in the data and nobody's putting it that way, not hearing the news reporting, you know, giving some stats and background, or even if they just looked into the excess deaths going on right now, that is a huge story. And who's covering it? Barely anyone, you know? Yeah. And Christ calls us to love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves through that love that God has for us. So, yeah. you know, I hope people find the confidence and the courage and the compassion to share the truth because God has not given us a spirit of fear, you know, but of mm -hmm. power you know, authority, love, compassion, and a sound, a wise mind. And yes. he's given us that, you know, um, that wisdom, that compassion and that courage so we can help save his children, you know, and, and that, the, you know, adults to, um, to those who are, who are still waiting to be born. So I do hope people, I hope people go to my Substack. A lot of them are free. Some of them are, you know, um, the, the ones well, about the and Pfizer people data. should support you. You know, you're worth supporting. Yeah. Thank you for the work you do. All of you, uh, you know, the, the people who have been telling the truth have a lot of them lost jobs. They don't get supported for the work they do. It's a labor of love and passion. Um, and, you know, to help you out for paying a Substack price, everyone, I encourage your favorite Substack people, just throw them some money every month. It helps them to you know, make their way through life. And we want to see that, Karen. We want to see you thriving. So thank you so much for, for this time, for giving us of your, you know, you haven't, uh, this last hour and a half, you've missed doing your oh, deep dive research, right? So I'm glad you're here. Yes. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Uh, God bless everyone. Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you again. Thank you. That is a very beautiful person, and I'm just so grateful that uh, we've had a chance to, to speak with her again. It's absolutely stunning, isn't it? I recommend her Substack, absolutely. Um, okay, so here's what NDP leader Jagmeet Singh had to say about Benjamin Netanyahu, if you're wondering what some of our leaders are saying. Uh, the Netanyahu government is an extremist government. This is, this is an extremist himself with, with very dangerous policies, uh, dangerous to democracy, dangerous to the people of Israel. <laughs> okay, you know what? What a pile of nonsense. And while we were having um, our whole time with, uh, with Karen, you know, on this whole uh, issue of Israel, it is causing such division. I mean, we just blocked a, a person that has been a friend of mine who's just going off about what a Zionist I am. Uh, you know, stealing from people that um, I'm just, I'm trying to get in with the Zionist group again. I didn't know I, I was out of the Zionist group. I don't know what he's saying 
Um, uh, I, we haven't even, you know, put ourselves in as Zionists. And let me just say this, that the term Zionism can mean anything from a real radical person who, you know, believes in um, violence on their end, you know, a radical extremist, to a person who simply believes that Israel has a right to have their own nation. Anyways, this person is going off, you know, and some of you were in some, um, a, a little battle with, with him uh, defending me. Thank you. We blocked him. I don't know what his problem is. So upset because I'm standing with Israel. Jagmeet Singh, the, the nation of Israel was attacked just over a month ago, a month and a week, in the most brutal, brutal, horrific way since the Holocaust. And in fact, in some ways it's worse. The descriptions of the Hamas videos with them holding up body parts to the camera. Okay, you wanna see it for yourself, go get it. It's on the internet, you can find the Hamas videos. Hamas soldier videos, what they did to the people. And on the heels of that, Hezbollah starts firing within 24 hours as well, by the way. There's 20 to 30,000 soldiers estimated to have been in the Gaza area. There are a lot of them dying now. Those are some of the many deaths that are happening is, is the, the soldiers as well they should. They should not be left to roam the earth to hurt one more person. They can't hurt you. They can't hurt me. They can't hurt uh, another Jew. They can't hurt another Palestinian. They tried to prevent people from leaving Gaza. And we have one guy, don't we, JT? Where's that guy? Uh, do you have him? He's a, a Gazan and Al uh, on Al Jazeera. This guy gets cut off when he starts telling the truth about Hamas. Now, give me a second because I got to read it, right? It's in a different language. So, okay, go ahead. The Israeli army is telling people to go south of Wadi Gaza. Yes, yes. But you were surprised by this bombing. Yes, says this dude. It was not one house that was bombed. An entire compound was erased. Over 15 or 20 houses... Is this a humane act? Question mark? No, this is a criminal act. As for the resistance, okay, too fast. As for the resistance, they come and hide among the people. Why are they hiding among the people? Hamas. They can go to hell and hide there. So this guy is talking about these people that have caused all this trouble against Israel. Uh, they're hiding among the civilians. And this guy from Gaza is telling them to go to hell. Well, many of them are already there. So got, you've got your prayer answered on that one. Okay. Um, in Washington, D.C., a pro-Hamas protesters. Oh, I missed one. Okay, the Montreal commuter. Okay, let's go with Montreal commuter bridge blocked by pro-Hamas protesters. So this is Canada. Uh, you know, this is blockading. Uh, interesting, right? 
we remember that our country's had a little bit of problem if you're uh, blocking things. Well, this is a commuter bridge blocked by the pro-Hamas protesters. That's been going on. Thanks to Rebel News for all the work they do covering things like this. And then um, in Washington, D.C., pro-Hamas protesters blockade the Democratic National Committee headquarters as well. So look at this, guys. One arrest from this event with these people. I mean, the, the level of violence and um, physical assaults, uh, this is crazy. You know, I just want to say to the Freedom Convoy 2022, um, to their defense, this, this was not our scene. Uh, when, when people came in and, you know, went after them at the, at the very end, I mean, it, it, we did not have any of this going on. We had no fights. It was pretty much three weeks, less two days, uh, when they were attacked mercilessly, not even fighting back, you know. Look at what's going on all across uh, all across North America and the world. On GB News, a Danish MEP reacts to Palestinian immigrants' crime statistics. Listen to this uh, from an MEP from Denmark discussing why they will not take in Palestinian immigrants. Take a look. 1992, Denmark gave refuge to 321 Palestinians. By 2019, the government produced results for what had happened to them. 64% of those that had been given refuge had obtained criminal records. 34% of their children had obtained criminal records. And bear in mind, many of the children hadn't yet grown up. And the vast majority were living on welfare. That particular influx of refugees that went in to Denmark proved to be a mistake and a complete disaster. If you compare these group of people to uh, the Danish citizens, you would see that they are way more criminals than uh, the Danish population in general, first of all. But the thing is, those people were not even real refugees. I mean, when they, uh, many of them were granted asylum seeking, they, they decided to go back to their own country to celebrate. Uh, so it's not even real refugees as we know them. So I would, I would very much advise you to stop taking those people. Uh, it, will, it will give you problems for generations, honestly. Um, the, this interview is uh, a, a little bit longer. I don't know if we can put up, we don't have the flipboard anymore, right? We used to have all, every, Everything that we showed you, we'd put it on a flipboard so that you could just take the clips and, you know, disseminate them. Um, but he goes on uh, at length to talk about the, you know, the criminality, the, the ongoing issues and how they just can't do it anymore. And as well, uh, there's evidence in there of the other areas, Palestine, um, I'm sorry, Egypt, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, that also refusing um, to take the Palestinians in. And I'm, I'm wondering, um, I'm, I'm quite certain that there's very good people 
Um, but it is interesting that there is a high level and perhaps because the culture of the Middle East, the years and years of epic wars, um, the, the hatred that is taught, you know, this is problematic. And so, man, people are really in an uproar about some of these things. Um, so we have two still images. Let's go on to Christia Freeland um, and Toronto Mayor Olivia Chow talking about the homeless crisis uh, and the oncoming winter in Toronto. I think uh, people um, who are experiencing homelessness uh, is a huge and urgent issue for cities uh, and municipalities across the country. It's a huge and urgent issue for the city of Toronto. Um, today is a beautiful, sunny day, but we know winter is coming. And so I think it's an important issue for us to be focused on and thoughtful about. The federal government this year is investing more than four billion, four point two billion in dollars in supporting refugees and asylum seekers, and we made an additional significant investment of nearly a hundred million dollars uh, over the summer to support the city of Toronto. Um, but you know, I recognize uh, that it's an important issue, and conversations are ongoing. No announcement for me on that today, though. Yes, conversation is continuing. Um, even just yesterday, we had conversation with Minister Bill Blair, uh, which is National Defense, and uh, we're slated to meet early next week. Um, uh, also conversation with the Immigration Minister, Mark Miller, because what the city is seeking is really yes, the armories, but that's very short term. Uh, a reception center, you've heard talk about that and I think there's some movement into that and also um, some kind of uh, funding support. We're very grateful for the 97 million and I need another 100 plus because the number of refugees have uh, grown by 54%. So it was quite dramatic and the, uh, and the housing benefits. Um, so there's very, very active ongoing discussion and hopefully there will be some solutions because as the winter approach, next week it's going to go down to minus three. Uh, no one should be out on the streets sleeping, especially those refugees that are arriving uh, to the streets of Toronto. <laughs> okay. You don't take care of your own home. You don't take care of your own country and you've got homeless. I don't know how people survive. Obviously, a lot of homeless people die every winter. They literally freeze to death, okay? And we can't take care of our own selves, and you've got billions of dollars going to other places in the world, and you don't care about Canada. You're all a disgrace, all of you. You're just a disgrace. It's just, it's a horrendous place to be to be Canadian under your leadership, and we pray for your dismissal daily. May you be removed. Christia Freeland, run along, okay? Justin Trudeau needs to be dismissed. 
Have we played the Justin Trudeau clip? Oh, the one on the, uh, oh, we did already, right? Oh, I, well, I, yeah, yeah, on the, um, the app. I thought we had that app one. Okay, where he's in trouble for the, for the app. That's the big one I wanted to play. Okay, I saw you, I thought I saw you taking it down. Okay. <laughs> it's a crazy day. All right, it's okay. We, we have to get that. I promised them at the top of the show. Um, it's, you know, basically this clip is just absolutely amazing because this app to, to get into the country, what was it called again? Arrive can app costing so much money. Like it's all, all the, the information is coming out. It's just such a scam. Like it was billions of our dollars. And it's been put into, no, I think it was 2 billion. 54 million was the app. Here, let me just pull it up really fast because I think I shared this on uh, my page. So let me see what it says. Um, my dear friend was putting this out to everybody. Uh, all right. La, la, la. Okay, here it is. Okay, time to remove Justin Trudeau, I said. All right, so um, if I play this out loud, it won't work, right? It'll, it'll be like just... Oh, shoot. Okay. Arrive uh, can't is the tip of the iceberg. There have been billions of taxpayers' dollars funneled into the hands of nefarious contracting companies with close ties to government workers and officials. Okay, so the billions comes from not just the Arrive Can app, which was $54 million, but all of these different things that you can uh, look back and see that the Trudeau government has literally mishandled billions of dollars. And there needs to be an investigation, some kind of accountability. We are all waiting for this moment. But you know what we pray? Because they're not, and there's gag orders, you know, that are being put in place so that mainstream media is not even allowed to talk about it, even if they're upset about it. Because Trudeau just gets all these, you know, things in place to protect his position. Well, it's all coming down. And we pray for that day. We really do. Uh, so my website is laurelin.tv, laurelin. Tyler Thompson is my name. Thank you very much to all of you who support us and walk with us through all of the thick and thin. Thank you for taking time to go to the website and there's a donate button. And if you're able to help us, it means a lot. And if funds are tight and you can't do it, don't worry about it. God is our rock. Uh, we appreciate it. It's coming to the end of the year. Some of you are looking for a place to make your final donations for tax receipts. If you'd like to do that, please consider us, perhaps, as the place that you can bless at the end of the year. You do get a tax receipt. And we love to bring the news to you every day in light of the Word of God. And to that end, I am going to end with this, Psalms 128. Blessed are those who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine.
I don't know what that means, but like, oh, give you kids and yeah, she's just going to be, you know, full of awesome, great things, the bounty of the Lord. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Hey, wives, are you like a fruitful vine in your home? <laughs> I like it. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Olive shoots, they, they reach out, they produce, they become the resource for a great country. Your children will become that wonderful, bountiful gift from God used to bless upstanding citizens, right? You tell your kids, you, you want them to become upstanding citizens. Well, when you serve the Lord, that's what happens. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man. What kind of man will get this blessing that we just talked about? Blessings and prosperity, the fruit of your labor, the man, it says in verse four, who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see prosperity, the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel, it says. Hmm. I didn't even know it said that at the end there. Very, very nice. I was listening to uh, Bible Gateway last night, um, early this morning, actually. It, it was uh, just, uh, seemed to be when the sun was just coming up and uh, woke up, you know, and, and I just put that Bible Gateway on and it began playing, I think, at Psalms 119, which is a very long chapter. And we got up there and I kind of fell asleep. And then at Psalms 128 this morning, I awoke and I listened to it. And uh, Psalms actually through 128, 129, 130, um, and 31, I just thought, wow, you know, all of it is so good. Psalms 131 says, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I've calmed and quieted myself before God. It has never been more important that we don't have an attitude of arrogance or a position where we're 100% right, because no one's ever 100% right. I mean, we just aren't, we're just such fallible people. But that we would maintain humility. You know a humble person? You all know them, right? Can you think of that guy in your life that kind of gets along with everyone? He's got sort of a humility. He listens. He's the kind of guy that might be able to say, yeah, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I kind of see it over here like this. And he's the kind of guy that you give him the direct opposite opinion of what you have. And he's like, oh man, good to see you. At the end of the conversation, he's like, good to see you. You know, and you still feel love from them. <laughs> I want to be that person. I don't know if I'm always successful because I can get a little, you know, a little feisty with things, but I hope I'm that kind of person. Humble before the Lord. Have a great day, everyone. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. 
Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.